1: 18 of the podcast to be named later. I'm your host Chris Willis and I'm again joined by Stephen Talbert. Stephen how are you doing tonight?
2: What's up Chris? It's always good to be back on with you buddy. Um, you know obviously we're slowly trudging towards the offseason. The World Series is now three games in and so obviously you have to wait till that's done and then you finally get to the, the rest of the teams being able to participate again and so we're making our way, and um, but yeah, it's always good to be back on with you, buddy.
1: We have a good show planned out this evening to wrap up a few topics before the off season really kicks into gear. I don't know if this World Series is going to make it seven or not, but uh, you know, it, it's going to by next week. You know, we should be rolling into uh, into the off season tasks. You know, just to bring it back to this episode, we wanted to, uh, I think, uh, well, we teased it last week, but we wanted to talk about this left field spot. Surprisingly, I think the Braves had a hard time filling that slot this year. We saw Eddie Rosario out there. You saw, we saw Marcelo Zuna out there a lot more than you should have. Robbie Grossman had a, had a stay out there after he was acquired at the trade deadline. You know, looking at it, it looks like right now we mentioned this last week. It looks like Rosario is probably penciled in there, started out with. But I, I really do believe that there's a good chance you see a guy like Adam Duvall or even Grossman brought back. Maybe that's a platoon situation. I know Snickers giving Rosario some rope against lefties in at the end of 2021, but that's when he was scorching hot too. With Rosario, I mean we've talked about it. Uh, you know he struggled a little bit coming after after the, even after the eye surgery. You know it's 2022. Uh, two was pretty much just a lost season for him. He had an eighty-one weighted run was created plus. You know where are you at with the left field position? You know, you know what are you looking at there? You think they need to go out and just get somebody, or do you think Rosario, with what he's making, is he going to get the first shot there before they move on to somebody else?
2: No, I, I, I definitely think they'll add somebody now. Whether they add a full time player or a platoon partner, it's probably. I mean, I could honestly go either way. It, it, a lot of it's going to come down to payroll and what they have left after they've figured out their other their other needs for the offseason. Because, I mean, Rosario's owed $9 million next year. That's real money. It was always weird to me. We talked about it a lot last year, especially early on last year. It was weird to me that they went two years with Rosario just because you can typically find left-fielders and left-field DH types for pretty cheap. And so the fact that they... Guaranteed him two years, 18 million was kind of a weird move, and it hasn't worked out at least to this point. And obviously, 20, 2022 was just honestly worse than any of us could have ever thought it would be. I'm very interested to see how confident they are in Rosario moving forward. Because if you're not confident, then do you go get a full-time player? Do you try to get like a an Ian Happ or you know somebody like that that can play? every day, right or left-handed, or if you're going to put a lot of your money towards shortstop or starting pitching, do you just try to go cheap? Do you see if you can get Adam Duvall on a, on a cheap deal, kind of a one-year show-me deal since he, he got hurt last year? So it'll be very see I think most of it is tied to what they do elsewhere, and how much payroll they have left. It's all tied to Azuna as well, who we'll get to here in a minute, but Rosario's, unless they find somebody there to take Rosario, which I would be surprised if they did, but I think Rosario's at least going to get a chance to platoon. We talked about this last week, but I really wouldn't be surprised if Adam Duvall was the guy that they used in that situation. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think at the very least they'll add a right-handed partner for Rosario to at least you know, have a, a platoon to start the season and then upgrade from there if necessary.
1: I mean, Duvall makes a lot of sense because he could potentially play all three spots, pinch. Rosario's an interesting guy. I mean, we, you know, down the stretch 2021, I mean, he, you know, I don't remember ever seeing a guy just that blistering hot the way he did. And I mean, it's interesting because I can remember Brian Snicker being asked about when Rosario was going to play after he was finally activated off the injured list and pretty quick he, it, it, to say that, you know, he was just going to have to work his way into the situation because they had Jock Peterson, Solaire and Duvall and were playing pretty well at the time. But when Rosario got the opportunity, I mean, he started hitting and he didn't stop and that, it pretty much carried him through the NLCS. He I mean, cooled off a little bit in the World Series, but he probably had as, as good a final couple of months of a regular season and a postseason run as anybody ever has. You look at his weighted runs created plus by year. He's 114 in 2018, 104 in 2019, 112 in 2020. Uh, it was just 98 in 2021, and that was with that hot finish uh, to the season. And then 61 this year, bottomed out. And there's no doubt the eye issues uh, played a part in that, but you got to hope that you know a full off season, maybe he can recapture a little bit of that magic. And I always said you know he's a hot and cold player. He, he has has always been that, and I always said the Braves Braves fans kind of saw the best of Eddie Rosario in 2021, and now we've seen probably worse than any season he's ever had in his career, any stretch he's ever had in his career. So yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it is interesting though to look at let's say they we, we expect them to spend big at shortstop if they didn't could they spend big at left field? I mean we've seen them do that in the past you know uh, when Josh Donaldson left nobody really had they had a crowd in the outfield situation and they added Marcelo Zuna to it before the Dh was even even thought of being a thing. So you know we've seen them pivot in the past to fill a spot in the batting order. another situation, you know von Grissom, we're going to talk a little bit more about him in a minute, and you know, I've still seen a lot of speculation about him playing left field some. We may see that in spring training, especially if they're not keen on his infield defense, which was something you and I talked about last uh, last episode. So, I think it's interesting. I kind of thought they might be in on Ian Happ last year at the trade deadline. I think a lot of us really, kind of really thought that might have been, but the Cubs were kind of strange. I mean, they didn't move anybody. Didn't even move Wilson Contreras. So, uh, it's interesting.
2: I really do think there's a, a chance. I mean, we've all we've all just kind of assumed this whole time that Braves would go big at shortstop and then kind of fill in left field with some sort of platoon or stopgap. And we do need to at least consider the possibility that they do the reverse, where they kind of go find a stopgap shortstop and then try to go big in left field to add some offense and just move Rosario to the bench or you know try to get rid of Ozuna if you can. So. It is a possibility. It's probably not one we've talked about enough, quite honestly. So, you know, we probably do need to explore that a little bit more because we know better than anybody that when when people expect Alex to zig is when he usually zags. So, it would not. It actually wouldn't surprise me at all if that's exactly what they did. If they put more money in left field than we think they will, and, and put less money in at shortstop than we think they will. So, that's a that is a very interesting scenario.
1: I think the interesting thing is, uh, still, it's still Rosario. I mean, if you think he can come bounce back, I mean, if he can give you a, a better than league average weighted runs created plus, then maybe you don't, you don't need to do that. We know when he's right, he can give you twenty, twenty-five home runs, and I, I like him a whole lot better playing left field than I do right field as far as defensively goes. Uh, But as you said, you know, if you go out there and you get an upgrade in left field, then that knocks Rosario back to DH. Uh, That's an expensive DH combination between him and Ozuna, potentially, Uh, you know, especially for a platoon situation. I do think they're going to try to dump Ozuna. As far as his left field picture goes, I don't think there's any reason we should ever see Ozuna back in left field honestly uh in fact he played way too much out there and I know some of that they couldn't help just because of uh the injuries uh to Cunha and then before Michael Harris came up but you know going forward I mean if Ozuna's on this team and he's getting at bats he needs to be the DH I think
2: yeah that I'm beyond done watching Ozuna play so yeah if if they wanted to just cut him five days after the World Series that would be great but I don't see that happening I do think they'll aggressively look to move him, and we'll, we're going to get into that a little bit later. But
1: yeah, well, I mean, let's talk about it right now because I mean let's that was that was one of the best, uh, that was one of the most surprising reports that come out the other day. Uh, Mark Bowman just snuck that into his uh, into his <laughs> newsletter, but uh, uh, you know there were a report the Braves tried to trade him at the trade to Ozuna at the deadline for uh, Patrick Corbin, who quite frankly has one of the worst contracts. I guess in baseball, I can't think of one worse, the way, uh, the way his last two seasons have went. I almost want to believe that the Braves probably asked for the nationals to include some money in, in that deal and a potential deal like that. And that's probably why they said no, because I can't, honestly, I can't think of another reason why you would say no, you know, to that situation. <laughs> so, but I, I'm curious, what do you, what are you, what were your thoughts when you saw that, that potential trade?
2: I mean that was wild. I mean, I you knew that they were definitely looking for opportunity to move him, and some different names popped up that made different levels of sense. But I never once, in I never once considered Patrick Corbin as an option, just because I mean, there's a decent argument that Patrick Corbin has the worst contract in baseball. I mean, he's still got I think close to sixty million dollars left on his contract. I mean, he's legitimately been the worst pitcher in baseball the last two years. So maybe you think your coaches can do something with him and, and get some value out of him, but man, that's a that's a big gamble. Here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see them add twice as much money or twice as many years of bad money just to move Ozuna. You know, this is what happened when, you know, they signed Hector Oliveira. They wanted to get rid of him and instead of just cutting him, and this was obviously a different front office at the time, but instead of just cutting him, they traded him for Matt Kemp. And so now, and Matt Kemp was owed twice as much money as Hector Oliveira was, and so now you had even just as bad as money on the books, but you had it for twice as long. And I really don't want to see a repeat of that. I just, if, if you want to get rid of him, just cut him. Just clean, easy, just let him go. Just, you know, if somebody else picks him up and he hits well, then that's just the cost of, of the bad free agent signing. But I'm really not that interested in, in bad contract swaps, because normally you have to take on a, a worse deal especially especially when you have a guy like Ozuna who's got obviously some pretty serious off the field issues you're going to have to take on more money than you owe him just to get a team to do it. it it could just end really really badly so it was interesting it was very interesting to see that Bowman just kind of dropped that in his in his newsletter but i would just love to just wake up one morning and the Braves just just released him, just cut him clean and easy and, and we can all just move on, but I do think they'll try other bad contracts and we'll see we'll see what happens but I'm not a fan of the concept overall of, of trying to find other bad contracts to swap them out with it, it usually all, it always ends up worse so if it was my if I was king of the world or at least king of the Braves, I would just I would cut him tomorrow and, and never think about
1: him again. Brad and Scott mentioned of this in this week's show about the expected stats with uh, with Ozuna, but that's always kinda of been his thing. I mean, you know, he's always he he's always out out most years has underperformed by the advanced metrics and by his stat cast numbers. I mean if you're if you're scraping at this point for any little bit of optimism, you know, that's that's what you're clinging to. But, you know, we've got over seven hundred something play appearances now. With him and he and I mean and the bad thing is you know when it's you're a DH and you're paid to hit I mean you've said this numerous times when you're DH and you're paid to hit and you can't hit you know you you offer them nothing and now you're a distraction off the field too so I expect the Braves to really try to move him if possible I agree with you I don't think it's worth it's a situation that's worth taking on a bunch of bad money just to get him off the roster because I mean you're down you know we were talking about cutting him two seasons ago eh, with what he was owed. I mean, you've at least got that down. I know it's still an enormous amount of money, you know, when you consider it. But at this point, I just don't see how he can hang on to a roster spot much longer. Of course, we've been saying that now, probably for all 18 episodes of this podcast. So we'll just have to wait and see.
2: I, I do think Alex wanted to get to the off season. We talked about this a little bit right before the season ended that, you know, Alex was just trying to get to the off season where he had more time and potentially more teams to explore, you know, when you're at the deadline, there's only so many teams that have any money left to spend. You know, most teams have kind of used up their entire budget. And so the, the number of teams you can engage about taking the contract is, is much smaller than the offseason where obviously the options are, are more robust. So I'm sure that's what Alex wanted to do. That's why I didn't cut him midseason or in September but and you know another part of Alex I'm sure was hoping that he would just go on a, a crazy tear in September and make this all a lot easier and find a team that would, would be willing to take a, a bet on him you know as a bat yeah I think ultimately this ends up just a, a press release that just says he's gone and that's it so but it'll be interesting and it, it does affect other stuff because you know his money is significant in terms of payroll their their payroll number is is reaching heights that we've never seen before and and you know, the luxury tax is actually a conversation that we might have to have, which I don't think we ever thought we would have to have with the Braves, but it, it might actually be a, a point of interest this off season. And so his money is a very big deal. If you can somehow find a way to clear some of it, then that helps you do other stuff. Also, if he's on the team, then that's a that's a roster spot that you don't have available. So, you know, it does affect other stuff. And I imagine they're going to try to settle it pretty quickly in the offseason. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we had an answer to the Ozuna question by November, just because it, it doesn't impact other things they want to do. And I'm sure Alex just wants some resolution. So, but it'll be interesting. I, I am, you know, with left field overall, I'm, you know, now that it's been brought up as a possibility, I definitely think, you know, exploring, putting a little bit more money in left and maybe less money at shortstop is an underrated idea. Just you know, just conceptually, I don't I don't have any names. Like I know, obviously, Aaron Judge is a free agent. Mitch Haneker is a free agent. I'm sure there's other guys I'm not thinking about, but there you know, Ian Happ we've just talked about. But there are some interesting names where you could potentially pull a maneuver like that. So uh, that that is an interesting idea. I'm curious to see how that plays out.
1: Last thing on this before we move on, but you know, I would be it would be fascinating to know, and we will never probably know this but um you know in a a potential trade like that i wonder if the braves looked at the nationals as just a bad contract swap for a bad contract swap or if they looked at corbin and thought we can fix this guy or this guy's not as bad as his numbers typically uh be because you know we've had they've braves have had some success stories in the past so we've also had some guys that didn't work out yeah And, uh, you know, to me, that's always something it's always something interesting um, when you see a deal like this floated out there and you wonder if it was just a situation where, you know, you take our guy and we'll take yours and uh, we'll try to grin and make the best of it. But, you know, I do wonder, I mean, Corbin at one point, I mean, he was good enough to get that deal from Washington, help them win a World Series and then just went absolutely off the cliff. I mean, I've see I still see people talking about this deal online. I mean, it was uh, the report was it was floated at the trade deadline. There's no reason to think that they'll revisit it. Obviously, though, they they still could. So you know, it's a moot point at this point. Um, but you know, to me, that still sticks out in your head. You know, you wonder, you wonder if the Braves thought there was something there that they could fix uh, as far as in relation to Corbin.
2: I mean that's that is part of the the calculus is can we get get a guy who's underperforming and can our coaches do something more with him? That's it's just such a big gamble with Corbin because he's just got so much money. I mean we're talking like thirty million a year, you know that just eats up. Even if you subtract Ozuna's payroll from that, you know that's still a big chunk of money that you don't now have for other holes on your team. So it's a it's a huge risk. But you're right. I mean that's part of the equation is if they think they can help
1: And we're back, Stephen. You and I talked about a little bit about the shortstop position last week, and I, I don't want to keep, I don't want to continue to beat that to death over the uh, next month or so. But uh, Keith Law uh, for the Athletic released his top fifty free agent list today, and I, I always like Keith writing. You know, I think he approaches things from a different, from a different uh, set than a lot of the, the way that a lot of the industry does, and everything. And I, so I enjoyed this list, and and I wrote it up today because he had Dansby Swanson ranked third which to me was you know notable and Carlos Correa was one, Trey Turner was two, Swanson was three and then Aaron Judge was four, which I knew was going to it was going to catch a lot of uh, a lot of people's attention. I don't really know as far as Swanson goes right now. I had kind of I had kind of thought that maybe, you know, he was looking at a a huge deal. During the first half, leading into the All Star break, cooled off a little bit in the second half. I don't know if it's if it's fair to put a, a damper on that though. I mean, he was a six win player this year per fan graphs. but I do think this thirty million is is a little bit high, which is what Law projected him for. Correa and Turner were just a notch above that. Correa, I think he had him at thirty plus, and then Turner somewhere, a little over thirty. So, but you know, what do you think when you saw that list today?
2: one thing people have to understand, and you know, it makes sense if you think about it, but if you don't think about it, then you might not consider it, but, you know, age is a massive, massive deal. Really, in all of baseball, I mean, whether you're a prospect or a free agent, how old you are is a big deal, and it plays a big role in these rankings, and, you know, Dansby's 29, and Judge is 31, so, you know, there, there's, that matters, and, you know, Judge doesn't play a a premium position he plays corner outfield and he has a long injury history and I wasn't shocked to see Dansby that high Dansby's obviously plays a premium position he plays it really really well um, he had the best season of his career so I definitely thought I definitely thought Law was a little high on the number I don't I think that's the very 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 top of Dansby's range in terms of you know six to eight years at 30 million a year I mean, eight years, thirty million a year, years—that's a two hundred and forty million dollar contract. I mean, I just maybe I'm wrong, but I just can't see somebody paying Dansby Swanson that much money for one kind of breakout year, and that was mostly kind of the first half, like you said. So that just seems really high to me. I think I think six years, thirty million—obviously that's one hundred and eighty million dollars. I think that's probably the very, very top of his range. I, I I've said all along, <laughs> said it in the off season. I said it, you know, during the season. I I think the contracts that Story and Baez got, which were 140 million. I think that's going to be the range where Dansby's at. Uh, but even still, that's a that's a significant amount of money. So it'll be very interesting. I'm um, I'm curious to see what the Braves do. Obviously, if they don't sign Swanson, that's where it gets interesting. But I'm also curious to see which other teams are involved with Dansby because you know he, he is a polarizing player in terms of his consistency. Which teams are you know which teams are hesitant? and which teams are all in on the kind of player he showed he was in 2022. So I'm very to see which teams are, you know, when we start hearing about teams that are interested, who they are, you know, what their situation is, and, and how that affects Dansby. But, you know, these these rankings are a ton of fun. They're a lot of conversation. They don't really change a lot of what's actually going to happen. But, yeah, it's, it's fun to talk about when, let's face it, there's not a lot to talk about.
1: Looking at this shortstop class, I mean, you've got four, you know, Swanson to me is the fourth guy in that group. I know some people, you know, there's some discussion sometimes with Xander Bogarts, but I've always been a guy that was pretty pretty uh, fond of Bogarts as a, as a player. Um, you know, there may be some question as to whether uh, guys like Correa, Bogarts, um, can stay at shortstop long term and how long. Just look back last season, one of these guys is not going to get what they're looking for. Um, you know, and Correa was that guy last year. That's why he took the the short deal with uh, Minnesota. You know, that had the opt out in it. So, you know, I kind of I kind of feel like the same thing is going to happen this time. That somebody's going to end up having to take a lot, less, or maybe not a lot, but less than what a lot of the projections are going out. As far as that rate rates and barrels, athletic podcast with, you know, Sarah Starr, Van Riper, it's more of a fantasy slant, but you know, they could do a good job covering the league too. And uh, you know, two things that they've kind of pointed out or, and they got me thinking today was uh, you know, Swanson, I wrote this up a week or so ago, but the stat cast come out with the new arm strength leaderboards, and Swanson ranked 48th out of 50. In arm strength, it was seventy something, seventy nine miles per hour. Now, I don't think it meant a lot. It mattered that much. I mean, I think it's only part of the equation. You know, the range is great, the footwork's great. Um, it's got a quick release, but you know, as as they pointed out uh, in that podcast, it was you know the big arm covers up a lot of things as you get older. So, you know, I thought that was something interesting to think about. Uh, You know, it'll be really fun to see if any of these teams look at Swanson as possible second baseman, if they had a shortstop, which seems unthinkable at this point. You know, and and then they also talked about the uh, possibility of the Braves rolling with a stopgap solution. And, you know, we've kind of been uh, thinking it's either Dansby or they're going to get into the, you know, one of these big-name guys out here. But, you know, would they would they just take a one- or two-year flyer on a guy and see what they have in Vaughn Grissom? You know, my kind of thinking is if they were going to do that, then maybe you just roll with Grissom coming out of the – you know, coming out of spring. And if he doesn't look good, then you've still got Orlando Arcia there. That's not, a, that's not going to be a popular uh, solution by any means. But, you know, it would also allow them maybe spin big in, uh, in left field or spin big in the rotation even, you know, if they needed to, or spin big somewhere else on the roster. So, you know, I, I've always been kind of – I've been kind of tough on Grissom. You know, I think I was a low man on the side with him just because, you know, he was running such a high bab up with uh, lower uh, exit velocities. But, you know, as, as Eno and, uh, and Derek Van Riper pointed out today, you know, the barrel rate was pretty good still. The max EVs, you know, it's, it's there. And this guy's always hit. You know, I think for me, the question mark is, can he play the position defensively and and going forward? So that's, to me, that's going to be one of the interesting things to watch, depending on whether they keep Swanson or not, is how they use Vaughn Grissom, you know, during the spring, if if they don't go out and get another big shortstop.
2: A few things there. First of all, when you're talking about arm strength, yes, absolutely. I mean, we've said it multiple times now, but. Dansby's number one quality is his defense, and it's more of a defense built around range than it is, you know, a strong arm, but, you know, range is one of those things that ages quickest, right, as you get older, it doesn't take long for that range to really get, you know, into a fraction of what it was, and then that's how older guys kind of survive, is they have a a strong arm, and they can get the ball faster, or get the ball to first faster than, you know, guys who don't, and and it it makes up for you know, sometimes a lack of range, but defence does not age well. Defense is a young man's game and that's gonna be Dansby's biggest obstacle in free agency is you know, his number one quality is his defense and he's twenty nine years old. So how how many years of really high quality shortstop defense can you expect from Dansby or I guess a better set a better way is how many years do teams expect? How many years do teams think he'll be able to give them you know, of that same level of defense before it slips. And then the only thing you have is the bat. And that's why teams pay for offense because, you know, you always you always know that you have a bat. That's why I think Correa will get paid more. That's why I think um, Turner will get paid more. And I agree with you. That's why I think Xander will get paid more because they're just better hitters and have proven to be better hitters over a longer stretch. So I do think the defensive Defense is going to help Dansby get paid in the short term. I don't know how long. I don't know how long of a contract he'll get just based on defense. Um, and then, like you said, with Grissom, if they go with Grissom at shortstop, it's going to be a very unpopular move because it's obviously the cheapest option. So they need to wed that with a big move and left. You know, a big move at starter. They can't go cheap. You know, with the ball and left, and then go cheap with Grissom short, and then go cheap at, with a starter somewhere. I mean, that's. Can't talk about, you know, top five payroll and then go cheapest possible option at your, big, at your three biggest spots. So that's going to be my thing is if they want to go cheap at shortstop, if they want to go Grissom, I think there are some inherent risk in doing that. You mentioned one of them, which is defense. But if they want to do that, then you got to go big somewhere else. you got to go get a, a real left fielder, somebody who actually adds something to the offense. you got to go get a DeGrom, you know, somebody who really moves the needle in the rotation. You got to do something you can't go cheap everywhere and obviously if you do on that short then you've gone cheap the cheapest possible route so it's all tied together alex knows all of this so he you know this is not breaking news but that will be very very unpopular if if they just kind of take the cheapest possible option at their biggest you know for their biggest targets so It'll be interesting to see. I don't know what they're going to do. Left field and shortstop are definitely tied together in terms of their offensive production. You know, if you get a big bat in one spot, you don't necessarily need a big bat at the other. So it's all tied together, but it'll be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the only reason i bring it up was just because that's a scenario that I don't think anybody's really considered yet. You know, as far as that goes, I mean, we've just been we've kind of assumed, that, hey, they're either going to sign Swanson or if they don't swan- sign Swanson, then they've got to go get a shortstop. So why wouldn't you shop with the, you know, the biggest the biggest names guys, which I've always kind of maintained if, if they're not going to pay Swanson, then are they really going to go? over and, and pay more to one of those other guys. I mean, those would be clearly upgrades in my opinion, you know, and that's no slot at, at Swanson. That's just how good I think, I think these other shortstops are at this point. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't, I mean, everything they've said, I don't think them going cheap is going to be anything, but I think it's important to kind of remember to how we've seen them pivot in the past. You know, everybody's focused on a shortstop. All right, well, you've got a guy like Orlando Arcia who started at shortstop before. You've got a rookie. Your top prospect is listed as a shortstop. There's questions whether he's going to have to stay there. You know, would it be out of the question to see them go jump on a starter, um, you know, add a starter and a left fielder uh, at some point, you know, and and really try to upgrade around it? I don't think it's completely out of the question, uh, even if I don't really believe it's going to go that way. I do wonder this, though. I mean, if if free agency is going to start, I think it's five days after the the, free agents will file, then there's the five day waiting period. And then, you know, it'll pretty much be open season at that point. I think, I don't think Swanson signs until Correa, Turner and Bogarts are off the board. If they, if he does sign early, then I think it's with Atlanta, but that's going to be, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see, like you said, what teams are in on him what rumors are out there obviously we won't know everything but there'll be some news out there I feel pretty confident and just see which teams are lining up you know for these guys that's a
2: great that's a great point because listen last year one of the reasons Alex pivoted to Matt Olson when he did was because he he had to get to other stuff right I mean he had other stuff he had to check off his offseason to-do list and you know Freddie was just taking so long to make a decision and It was just, it was drawing out the whole process and and free agents were coming off the board left and right. And, you know, they just needed to make a decision. And, you know, if if Dansby waits until all these other guys signs to try to be kind of the the fallback for a lot of teams, I could see the Braves moving on before he signs somewhere else. That's exactly what happened with Freddie. You know, they've got other stuff they got to get to. Some of their targets are, are coming off the board because they're sitting around waiting on Dansby to make a decision. I could definitely see that. Being a big factor. It's not really something I've thought about honestly until you just said it. But I definitely see that being a could potentially be a factor where they are just they're done. They're tired of waiting. You know, they go make a trade. They trade for Willie Adamas, or they sign a stopgap. They sign Elvis Andrews or, you know, like you said, they just go with Grissom and, and try to go bigger somewhere else. Yeah, that's definitely a, that's I think that's a real possibility because. I don't see why Dansby would sign until after those other guys sign. You know, Correa is going to set the market. I think everybody kind of knows and, that. So it, does, it doesn't really benefit anybody to sign
1: before him. I mean, on the flip side of that, too, you know, maybe the Braves can wait just a little bit longer this time because you have Grissom and Arcia. You know, it depends on how fast the market even moves. Uh, you know, it's hard to pre- think compared to last year really because you had the lockout right in the middle of it and that that messed everything up but like I said I I just think it's it's worth examining this from a lot of a uh, lot of areas I think a lot of people are just saying hey it's not Dansby Swanson it's going to be Trey Turner or it's going to be Carlos Correa, or you know it's gonna be Xander Bogarts and what if it's none of them I mean it's worth it's worth at least right. considering uh especially uh, you know, I mean, and you don't have to look back far. I mean, Josh Donaldson left. You know, they had Austin Riley at third base. They pivoted and added uh, an outfielder in Marcelo Zuna to an already crowded outfield situation uh, at the time. Made it even more crowded, you know. So, yeah. you know, we've seen, them, we've seen them do it. So, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to think about. But I thought that was a that was a good angle to kind of explore tonight. It's not really where I think they'll go yet, but – you know, as we've seen, you know, it seems like they they usually have two or three options lined up, and it, you know, the shortstop situation is a little bit different than the first base because I mean, it was Freddie, and we knew Matt Olson was going to get traded, and then there was Anthony Rizzo, really. But if I'm remember correctly, that was about it, and I think Rizzo signed fairly yeah. early. I think he signed before before the deal, so you know, it wasn't like they could really just. You know, at that point, there weren't many options, and I'm sure, you know, Oakland was probably ready to get on with the offseason, too, and the Braves needed to, as Alex Anthopoulos said, you know, after that deal was made. You know, it'll be interesting to see if the shortstop situation gets in that same boat or if, if they if they're able to wait just a little bit longer and see what's going to happen. Uh, we forgot to send out the mailbag tweet this week, um, but we've got a lot of uh, a little things here that I don't think warrant a whole lot of discussion. But so we're just going to do a little bit of a lightning round here, and then we'll bring the mailbag back next week. So, uh, you know, we apologize for that. Uh, we'll we'll make up for it next time. So, I got I got a question for you, actually, uh, Steven. This Jake Odorizzi player option. Maybe I'm spending too much time on it you know, I, I've, I've, I've seen a wide range of, of, uh, of opinions on this. I mean, the second I see that 12 and a half million number, I'm thinking there's no way he's opting out of that, but it seems like I'm a little bit in the minority. I know it's got a six, 6.25 million, uh, buyout attached to it. And Keith Law actually had him listed at 43rd or 44th in his top 50, thinking that, you know, he could get a, he could get a, uh, one year, one to two year deal, five or eight, five between five and eight million dollars as a fifth, as a, f- a fifth starter for somebody. You know, where are you at? Do you think he's gonna opt? Really gonna opt out of this, out of this contract for next year?
2: I do. I I, I know there's kind of a debate on what's he gonna do. But so the question really comes down to, obviously, if he opts out, then he gets a six million dollar buyout. So can he get six million dollars or more? in free agency is the question, right? That's kind of the, if you're just trying to maximize dollars, if you're his agent or, or him, just trying to maximize dollars, then the the question comes down to, can I get at least $6 million in free agency? Well, you go back and look at starting pitchers who've gotten more than $6 million in free agency. You think about Drew Smiley, who got $11 million to kind of be a, a fourth or fifth starter from the Braves. You see a lot of kind of one-year, $10 million contracts for, these type of pitchers every offseason just because teams don't ever have enough pitching and teams don't ever feel good about how much pitching they have. And it's always worth, you know, a one-year, $8 million deal to, to make sure you have an insurance policy. So I don't think Rizzi is going to approach the offseason like I'm not going to be able to make at least $6 million because I, I, I think he thinks he will. I think his agents will tell him that he can. And listen, if you even if you just match the twelve million that you would have made had you opted in, at least you get to pick where you play. So, um, I do think he opts out. I, I understand why it's a debate, but I would be shocked if he didn't believe he could get at least six million dollars on the open
1: market. I guess that's the that's the other side of it. I don't know. I you know, and I I admit I've only really watched his. I watched, of course, I watched him in the World Series last year, but really the only starts I saw his this year was the ones with the Braves. And I mean, you know, you when you see the velocity and and whatnot, you know, I just wonder. I just wonder if this is it for him. Honestly, um, maybe you know, maybe he can. Maybe there was something nagging there. Maybe he, you know, uh, full off season. Maybe he comes in looking a little different. But you know, you said a good point. He gets to pick where he plays if he if he opts out and he goes to free agent. Because I mean, when you look at this Braves rotation, and let's let's just for a minute pretend they don't sign anybody. Uh, you know, you've got Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider. That's that's your top four. Uh, you know, and I don't think barring any, the only thing that's going to change that is an injury, in my opinion. Um, you know, competition for that fifth spot: Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, Bryce Elder, Kyle Muller, and guys like J- Jared Schuster, Darius Vines. Those all those guys all hit AAA last year. Uh, they're not gonna they're not gonna break camp in that fifth starter spot more than likely, but they're, they're going to be in the, in the picture too, you know, and obviously a guy like Muller could get traded this off season or elder or whatnot, but that's a lot of guys. And I mean, a guy like Ian Anderson, there's a guy that's had a lot of success had a lost season in 2022 Mike Soroka, you know, we don't know what we're going to get from him, but at one point he looked like he was going to be the um, ace of this staff before the Achilles injury. So, you know, I just – I mean, if Odorizzi lobs in, do you, I mean, I don't see – I mean, would they put him in the fifth spot just because he makes $12.5 million to start? Or, you know, would he even be able to break camp with a team?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's – you know, typically money money does play a pretty big role, as we've seen with Marcelo Zuna. so. You know, if a guy's guaranteed $12 million, I, I would be shocked if he's not on the team, you know, barring an injury of some sort. I don't know if they would put him directly in the rotation. I guess that would depend on how the other guys look, if they add anybody else in the offseason. I would have a hard time believing that he would not at least be penciled in as the fifth starter, where they would just go Max and Strider and Wright and Morton and Odorizzi is just kind of the, at least a couple of times through the season before you, you have to make it a change if something's not working so but that's a good question i don't know um it, it a lot of it's going to depend on what else they have and who else shows up to camp and what does ian anderson look like what does mike Soroka look like guys like that so but it, it will be very interesting that's a big deal and you know we don't we haven't talked about it a lot but you know what he decides to do whether you know opt out or not it's a there's a six million dollar swing depending on what he decides to do which obviously affects other stuff so that, that and we'll get that answer pretty quickly. I think he has to decide. I think the deadline for those is like five five days five days of the World Series.
1: Yeah, so he'll he'll have to decide quick, and, and I mean, and I'll tell you, blame Brad Rowland for putting that in my head, uh, too. By the way, because he's the one that said uh, <laughs> would he be the fifth starter if he opted in. He's so he's the reason this segment's here tonight. But uh, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just completely wrong. You know, maybe he can get that, and he knows he can get it, and uh, you know, he opts out like everybody's expecting. But uh, just from what I saw down the stretch. Man, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I. that's a gamble in my opinion. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Gold Glove Awards winners were announced this week. Uh, Braves had four nominees, uh, two winners, Max Freed, Dansby Swanson for free. That's his third straight. I thought this was neat. I don't get too caught up on Gold Gloves because, honestly, I've seen some – just bizarre winners. Over at, at times, there's always something that leaves you scratching your head. But I do think Max Freed is a worthy winner, and I think Dansby Swanson deserved it this year. Freed, it's his third straight. He's the first Braves pitcher since Greg Maddox to win three straight Gold Gloves. That's a pretty good company, I think, in a lot of in a lot of ways. And then Swanson, I think Swanson deserved it. Uh, that's the way when I wrote that up this time. I thought, you know, he needs to win this. I, I didn't think Matt Olson or Travis Darno. Really had a shot to win, but I did think, I thought the two the two that um, I thought deserved it uh, came away with the trophy.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I, I haven't thought about gold gloves in like five years, so I, I didn't really pay much attention to what was happening with those because, frankly, those awards have gotten kind of weird for me. I think Juan Soto was a finalist in right field, which I just, stuff like that just makes me scratch my head. But good for Dansby. I mean, the players certainly care about it. So, they talk about it. They definitely like having those awards in their house. And, you know, when you read off a guy's accomplishments when he retires and you talk about the kind of career he had, you talk about Cy Young's, you talk about all-star appearances, you talk about gold gloves. So, you know, this stuff does matter to these guys, even if, it, you know, it's not... I don't think these awards are as big a deal as they used to be, just because we have so many other ways of measuring defense that are certainly more accurate than, you know, gold glove voting, but... Good for him. Good for Dansby. Good for good for Max. I do think both those guys deserved it. I think Michael Harris was a pretty clear snub. But again, I don't spend a lot of time or energy on gold gloves anymore because it, it's just a very weird process. And some of the finalists you get at positions, you just you kind of scratch your head at. But the guy, like I said, the players care about it. It's never a bad thing to win one of these postseason awards. So happy for Dansby, happy for max
1: well that's the uh, that's the end of our list uh, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here
2: i'm kind of anxious to get this world series over with so we can get into some of this stuff for real instead of just kind of having to predict and project what's going to happen i would love to i'm at to the point now where i would love for the phillies just to win the next two games and and end this thing in in five games so we can get on to the off season but it'll be fun it'll be interesting to see I do think, and you kind of brought up the idea, but I do think the idea of, of spending more money in left field and less money at shortstop than maybe the the general consensus has been so far is a very interesting idea. I do wonder how much the team is going to explore that and how much you know we should be exploring that as, as an option, probably more so than we have. But, yeah, it'll be a fun offseason. We'll be here the whole way, Brad and Scott. By the way, we need to say – Our buddy Eric Cole is leaving the site. He's going over to move to uh, Tomahawk Take to be the site expert over there. So uh, Eric's been obviously a member here for a long time. I wrote it down to make sure we mentioned that. Yeah, Eric's a a great guy, so we're obviously going to miss him. But, you know, the the podcast network... Obviously, we'll continue on. We'll be here all off season with with content, and obviously, as as real things start to happen, we'll definitely be around.
1: I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, you know, hats off to Eric. He uh, has been instrumental in our podcast. I mean, in our minor league coverage, our our podcast, and all areas of the site. He'll be missed. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best. And uh, sad to see him go, but I'm excited for the opportunity that he's got. So, you know, we'll leave it. We'll kind of leave it at that. You know, it's not. He's not. uh He's still gonna be around. Uh, he just won't be with us, so uh, but you know we we planning on uh, staying in touch with him and uh, you may see him here uh, from time to time at, going forward. So but I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh, as you said, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Chris underscore Willis. Uh, you can follow Stephen at, at be outliers and we'll be back next week.
0: more to dos, less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of.